0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Mana Podcast, Daily Bread for the Daily Christian. My name is Sam Jeske. I serve as the pastor uh, at Our Shepherd Lutheran Church in Crown Point, Indiana. I'm also one of the regular hosts of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Glad you could be here. Uh, This episode is part two in a two-part conversation that I had with Pastor Michael Cherney, pastor of a congregation in El Paso, Texas trinity lutheran church uh if you haven't listened to that that episode the episode is titled uh, the response to covid19 a theology of catharsis or a theology uh, or the theology of the cross Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode i'd encourage you to to do that right now Um, without getting in too much into detail uh there's a significant amount of last episode but then this episode we're talking about a theology of the cross uh the significance of that, um, and why that's so important, not only, um, as we live our lives as Christians, but then as we look at the circumstances, the situation that's going right now with this, uh, widespread virus throughout the world, uh, and trying to make sense of it, we must be theologians of the cross, uh, chiefly. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, theology of the cross focuses on the, uh, chiefly on our God and our Savior Jesus dying for us on a cross. And it underscores the importance of not only how I engage, but how I view the world and the events around me through that lens and that lens alone. There on the cross, we see who our God is. A God who loves us so much to save us from a world of sin, suffering, and death. He would take on our sin. He would suffer And he would die so that we would live. Um, But the thing is, though, is that, you know, you and I, we, on this side of heaven, we will carry crosses. Uh, There's always a temptation for us in the midst of suffering to want heaven on earth now (laughs) instead of uh, eyes heavenward. um, You know, rejoicing in the now and not yet of the empty tomb. That being, you know, we we have the joy of heaven now, but there's a not yet to our joy, isn't there? Uh, We we wait for the day that our God will take us home. Um, But on this side of heaven, you know, our Savior, what he said to us, he meant it. In this world, you will have great trouble. Um, Just as they persecuted me, um, they're going to also persecute you. (laughs) Um, But that's the same Jesus who says, take heart, I have overcome the world nevertheless we must be theologians of the cross we have to constantly keep in mind and constantly keep in focus um our god and savior demonstrating his amazing love for us by dying for us Um, and it is uh it is there that um uh that i can see my god revealed um, who he is the god who loves us so much to save a world from sin suffering and death um, to fix this broken world, our God would take on our sin, our brokenness. He would suffer and he would die. Uh, I hope and pray you enjoy this episode. like and here's the other thing too is that you know the, this James Martin guy points to Jesus as and he he acknowledges and affirms that Jesus is a true god and true man but he points to Jesus not as the our deliverer and savior from sin suffering and death but our brother in solidarity where mm-hmm. he he himself was not like he he walked among us uh, he he rubbed shoulders with those who are sick. He cured those who had their diseases, uh, but he he is so he misses the greater fix. He's so he there's such a fixation on Earl you know earthly sickness, earthly pain uh, that we're um, or an earthly problem and brokenness that we're missing the far greater spiritual calamity, a spiritual virus that we needed to be cured. From and, and saved from um, a greater death um, that this world was dying. Um, we needed we needed that kind of a savior, not some grand cosmic humanitarian, um, mm-hmm. or not even. It, he doesn't talk about it like that. It just he, he just said he's our brother and our brother in these things. And again, when it when it boils down to it, our savior, um, God's greatest demonstration and act of love isn't. It's greater than solidarity. It's sacrifice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Greater love um, is expressed in no like what what I, I can't I always greater love has no or has how do how do you say it I, I feel so ashamed as a pastor. Um, <laughs>
1: greater love has no to lay one to lay, lay out to
0: lay down one's yeah. life for your friends. Yeah, and it's just and how you know and there on the cross that's that is exactly what we see to redeem and save a world from sin from suffering and from death. Um, our Savior takes on our our God and Savior takes on our sin. He suffers and dies mm-hmm. um, to redeem and, and to to deliver a world from brokenness. Our God takes that brokenness onto Himself on Calvary. Um, I and I, again, it's just it, it. There's such a temptation to. I mean, I and I'll let you comment on this. I suppose there's such a temptation to obscure or to shroud these events in in utter unassailable mystery and say who can know the mind of god uh his ways are higher than our ways and i'm not not, by no means am i saying that those things are not biblically true but are those the are those in fact the answer that we can give um are those the best answer that we can give is just say i don't know who can know the mind of god um focusing on what the what are what the theologians, Christian theologians, or forefathers said, referred to as, in the Latin Deus absconditus, that being the God hidden, um, versus Deus revelatus, the the God revealed. And if I want to know who my God is, this is where I point powerfully to Jesus, namely, um, the the God who died, um, the God who suffered. Um, Anyway, I, what what do you got on that? You got any? um I know I kind of riffed on that for a while.
1: Well, just to back up what you were saying, like, um, and and try and in an attempt to be a little bit fair to James Martin as well. Well, it was more more the point that James Martin was making, so it was fun to him. But this concept of the uh, the empathetic savior, of course, is is biblical. I mean, read the book of Hebrews. He himself suffered when he was tempted, therefore he's able to. Uh, help those who are being tempted, and we have a. Um, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, you know. Correct things like that, but then also in that same book, like in Hebrews, he offered the Savior offered a sacrifice for sins once, um, and then he sat down at the right huge. hand of God. Like, yep. Both both things are true and helpful right now. Like, is there a time where I need to hear, Jesus didn't have it easy when he lived on earth either, you know, he suffered and he's able to empathize with you. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a wonderful gospel to hear. But also sometimes like, and this is what you were saying, right? Sometimes I simply need to hear this world is messed up, man. (laughs) There's evil, there's death, there's sin, there's wickedness, but Christ has already said it is finished from the cross. And so coronavirus is not, is not going to undo that so to say that to, to focus more on the empathetic part so much so that we miss the the sacrifice that Jesus ultimately paid which i mean we're about to celebrate on on, on good friday which is pretty good timing but <laughs> right. i mean yeah i think that's the biggest disappointment is you just you just fall short of um, of the comfort that could be there now, the point that both authors make, Martin as well as Wright, I find I find kind of intriguing in the sense that you know sometimes we do want more answers than we can be given, and this is what you're saying too, because there is, you know, to an extent, there is deus of There is a certain amount of. Uh, a questions that a human being might ask that can't that can't be answered so absolutely yeah so maybe maybe this point can be applied like especially when when okay back i'm going to back myself up a little bit we had uh, the last symposium gathering at seminary that we went to where all those papers were read and we had all those wonderful discussions and things uh, one one pastor got up and he said that he wasn't so sure about using Romans eight twenty eight. Um, well, he, he kind of got
0: God, in... work, God works all things for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. You're right. Yeah, yeah. As that... a, it, there's a time and a place when that the thought the yeah. So the um, there was his thought was if I'm remembering correctly, there's a time and a place for that passage, but that might not be. Um, there there should be caution when applied because it yeah. could come across as yeah and as it been, could it could come across as yeah yeah go ahead
1: yeah well just this is what you were going to say but i guess i'll just steal the thunder and say it but <laughs> i've been turning no, over whatever I,
0: if anything i'm jumping in too soon so go ahead
1: <laughs> No, it's all good <laughs> but i've been turning over what what that pastor said in my mind because i found it to just be so true it's like he put words to things that i was already feeling, and I think a lot of people can feel, is like a passage like that, Romans 8, 28, um, you know, that all things work for the good of those who love him. Of the attra- It comes across as, yeah, go ahead. Of the attributes of God that that passage emphasizes, I find, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I find that passage em- places at the forefront God's omnipotence, like you said before. God is powerful enough to work all circumstances for the good of those who love him. And if that's the point that gets across, then that's, that's an amazing point to ponder. Absolutely. But like the pastor was saying, when someone gets the, the cancer diagnosis, and if all I have to say is God is powerful enough to work this for your good, um, I can very easily envision that patient saying back to me, how in the world is this going to work out for my good?
0: Right. <laughs> you know? I, well, see, and that's that's a yep. That's a very, because at the what's so crucial here. It what what it kind of makes me think of is kind of like uh you know if you're listening if you can finally remember days that you were in high school and you went to your mom or your dad. Namely, it was in my case, anyway, and I love my dad. Um, I'm gonna throw him under the bus very lovingly right now, uh, if he's listening. But um. Uh, <laughs> you know, there would be times when I would go to my dad and I would have like a, there would be what seemed to me this massive existential crisis on my heart where, you know, maybe some girl breaks up with you at school or just dumps you or rejects you or something, or you're just, you're just raw in your insecurity or something. And you're, and your dad sits you down to talk about it and you kind of, you lay it out. And then your dad gives you like, well, you know, statistically it's unlikely that you're going to get married to her anyway. So just kind of chin up and and tough it out it's fine or you know what it's just high school people will get over this stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: and for he is he was he right yes i didn't get married to any of my high school sweethearts <laughs> <laughs> he is absolutely right but at the time um, that all was raw and real for me and yeah. it his answer while he was absolutely right seemed more dismissive than compassionate right and again i i w- did was what he said was true but it may not have been the right thing to say at that time. Yeah. And it, for me, it didn't offer any solace. I Now, I'm not saying, like you were saying, I'm not saying that Romans eight twenty, and I think you're getting at this too, that there is a time and a place for Romans 8.28. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we're far quicker to rattle that off than to point to the cross. Yeah. And again, um, I'm going to keep on going back to this. What we really needed with, out of our Savior was... Uh, we needed a savior, uh, uh, the 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 one who would sacrifice himself, uh, not just solidarity, but we needed someone who would die for our sins, uh, not only be tempted, just as like like the Hebrew writer said, in every way he is tempted just as we are in every way, yet was without sin. So of course we can know, and, and well anyway I an analogy that I've gone back to on this to kind of really demonstrate the importance of especially when we deal with with this uh when we ask this question where is god is um someone far wiser than me shared it with me is kind of like the analogy of doctor and patient Mm. um you know um you know if, if someone is deathly ill and they go to see a doctor um you know the patient doesn't request the doctor contracts the same deadly disease right Um, the patient does not ask the doctor to hop on the bed next to him, right? Hey doc, I'm really, really sick. You know what I really need more than ever is I need you to contract this virus. I need you to get sick with me. Um, the doctor, the patient doesn't say, Hey, can you hop on this bed with me? We want our doctors to do three things. We want our doctors to know our symptoms and our pain Two, we want our doctor to care about us and we, three, we want our doctor to ultimately fix it. And while this is certainly an analogy, uh, it pales in comparison when we're talking about God. So in this analogy that we want, a doc, we want our doctors to know, to care, and to fix it, um, we're really, what's under the microscope here is we're talking about God's omniscience. We're talking about his God, we're talking about his omnipotence, and we're talking about his omnibenevolence. So his all-knowing, his all-able, and his all-loving characteristics. <laughs> um, so for... Example in respect to knowledge. I mean, think of the best doctor that you could. The best doctors who are working right now, not even they have comprehensive knowledge of of this virus. I mean, they might have a pretty good idea, but they don't. They don't know how this virus intersects or interacts with every single person, um, or how it impacts people who have who have underlying health condition A or condition B or. Um, even the best doctor can't fathom every aspect of the patient's life that is impacted by a virus or debilitating disease. Um, the only way a doctor could even come close to knowing that, even even um, somehow better understanding is to contract the disease um, himself. Um, if he got that disease and experienced it so as to acquire the knowledge in order to um, somehow more completely understand it. Um, the best of doctors are limited in availability and ability too. so, you know, the best doctors that we might champion and put on a pedestal, they, they don't know everything. They can't, um, not comprehensively and they can't do everything. They themselves can get sick and then are limited in what they can do. Um, they themselves are limited in time. Um, they can't be everywhere at the same time. you know you look at what's going on in the news right now and and I've, I've been watching the CDC um, peaks They're talking about um, the peak of confirmed cases versus the amount of available hospital beds they have in, in the ICU and it is I don't even know it's astronomically higher than what hospitals are able to effectively provide
1: yeah
0: and but see none of this applies to God. Um, God is not limited in His space or or ability. God is He is omnipotent. He can do all things. Um, God is also omniscient. Of course, He understands. He knows when it comes down. And you know, I, I think I think in the Hebrews passage, um, I would contest that you know Jesus being you know taking on human flesh uh, was not so as to learn how to what it's like to be tempted, but that we would know with absolute certainty that Jesus true God and true man, he was tempted and was without sin. And we can go to our God who, I mean, this this is a God who walked in our shoes, who was tempted. We, we see that cataloged. He is not oblivious to what our temptations, um, what what we undergo. Mm-hmm. He is a God who knows all things. But here's the thing though is, um, like I said, if God knows all things, um, but he doesn't care for us, um. That isn't, you know, or, or like, I'll or, or step back to the doctor analogy. Say you have a doctor who he knows everything. Um, but he doesn't care for me. Uh, or mm-hmm. he knows everything. That doesn't that doesn't guarantee he's going to use that knowledge to my benefit if he doesn't care for me. Same thing if this doctor is all able. This guy's like the best five-star rated doctor. Um, there's no telling that he's going to use his ability for my good if he doesn't care for me. Um and see, this is this is what's so awesome about our God, the great Physician, the same God who 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 died for us to save us. He he's not strapped for time, he's not limited in ability. Uh, he knows completely and comprehensively what is going on in our life. Um, this is the same God who invites us to go to Him in prayer, uh, uh, you know, to to pray on all occasions in all circumstances. Um, because prayer is powerful and effective because our god is powerful um, but this is the same god who he cares um, he knows he cares and he is always working for our eternal good i think like i said you you brought up um, romans 828 is this this is a this is a comforting passage for the people who are hurting right now this is where i would i would still strongly suggest point to theology of the cross point to the god who the uh, uh, point to the suffering God, the God who is dying, who who suffered in time uh, on Calvary, um, his passion leading up to that, the God who is ridiculed, mocked. This is the same son of God who experienced, um, he, he experienced separation from his heavenly father, which I can't even... I can't even wrap my mind around that. The hell that we rightly deserved, he experienced. the 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 eternality of estrangement from God. He somehow compressed, uh, in in time, compressed onto the the hours extended on that cross. I have no idea. Uh, I can't wrap my mind around the magnitude of that. But um, I think John Hine had a really um, uh, pastor in our church body had a really great illustration for that. He talks about how, you know. He said something to the effect of kind of like how a breakup of two months hurts. Speaking of high school sweethearts, huh? Mm -hmm. You know, a breakup of two months will hurt. We'll be heartbroken over that. A breakup over after two years. I mean, that would be crushing. And then a a divorce after two decades of marriage. I mean, that could undo, unmake a man. And such pain is absolutely trivial compared to the infinite pain experienced in time uh, by Christ on Calvary when, his own father in heaven rejects him. Mm -hmm. All to, so that we would never have to experience that. And, uh, any, anyway, I just, it, for me, this is why, you know, I'm always cautious with this because what I don't want to do is I don't want to take comfort that is intended to be found solely and exclusively in the cross. Um, or powerfully in the cross, and then outsource it to other areas. Or maybe and again, maybe I'm overstating my argument a little bit too, but the last thing that I want to do is kind of like how Moses, just as Moses lifted up a um, you know in the midst of suffer, in the midst of their suffering, you know, when these venomous snakes or these were, were, were attacking the people because of their sin. Um, just as Moses lifted up a serpent, uh, the bronze serpent on a staff in the desert so that people look to it and live. So also the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that those who look to Him live. But not only that; that those who are in the midst of suffering also have an answer. Um, so I, you're right. it's It's not simply it's not simply attesting the the articles here. It's not simply attesting to why we live in a broken, sinful, hurting, messed up world. It's has God given an answer to the problem of suffering evil, suffering and evil. Has God given an answer? to sin and suffering and death and yes even hell itself and we can say yes to that Um, and there and there the answer is um, hanging that good friday on a cross between a sinful broken messed up world a sin sick world and a holy righteous god and there god's justice and love powerfully converge and we see god's compassion so powerfully demonstrated in in Jesus dying on a cross. I anyway, and and again, that's they're, both of these articles, Martin's article and and NT writes, both of them are absent, or both of them do not make any mention of this whatsoever. It's like, and I don't even know, I don't even think the NT write article really starts to get close to that. Um, maybe alludes to it a little bit, but. That is where I see Deus revelatus, the God revealed. Um, I look to Christ and there is my God dying for me. Not, not simply the God who wept for me at the tomb of Lazarus, um, the God who is not dispassionately removed from us in, our, in the midst of our suffering, but this is a God who loved us so much he not only would weep at the funeral of a loved one um, or weep over Jerusalem. This is the same God who would die for his loved ones, the same God who would, because he loved the world, um, die for not only Jerusalem but for an entire sinful world, um, to make us at right with God. Anyway, I've rambled. I've I, I kind of monologued for there uh, for a while. Why I, I uh, why don't you? What, what do you got on that? What one well, words of wisdom here?
1: <laughs> I don't know if anything, but if like say you're having a conversation with somebody and you say all the good and gospel comforting words that, that you said and then they hit you back with the okay so then why is this happening right now then then what do you right. do
0: well see and that is and that is a question we can ask when I ask where and I guess and I suppose some of it is you could be asking the you know I might be asking the the question where is God and I might and what I'm really asking is not who is God I might maybe I am Maybe the question I'm I'm thinking is why is this happening? And I suppose you could even argue that um, uh, there's there's a similarity there too. When I'm asking why is this happening, uh, well, no, I don't know about that. I think there, like in the case of Job, for example, um, when Job is asking, you know, first of all, the question that he was he was seeking is he he wanted he wanted a he wanted to have a chance to 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 talk with God he wanted to have a dialogue with God so as he he could vindicate himself mm-hmm. and God kind of said would you discredit my justice to vindicate yourself um and then God just talking about monologues of all monologues God just <laughs> just unloads and says where were you he says brace yourself like a man i will question you and you will answer me and mm-hmm. what answer can job give other than i spoke of things to wonderful for me to know too amazing for me to understand and certainly certainly some of this is acknowledging kind of what we were talking about how there are things beyond our ability to fathom um but and so you know if somebody asks the question why you know why did i just lose my job um i think we as christians can say well i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm not sure you know, there's some things that we're gonna see. why, you know, maybe ten years from now, we see God's hand in the lives. You know, I uh, I think of um, I think of friends of mine who lost their job, or um, they relapsed into drug addiction, um, or th- these things which took place, and then the the <laughs> the, the subsequent things that that happen in the wake of that, or just the, the other hardships that people experience, and they look at these things and they're like why are these things happening to me right now? Mm. Um, Or why is God allowing this to happen? Um, And then later on, maybe 10, 20 years down the road, they can maybe point and say, I could see God in my life through the eyes of faith. They could say, I can see God working through this. It's in the present circumstance where it's like, it's kind of like God's the coach. He's got the playbook. um, And, and we don't really know what that playbook is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we know the end of the game. We know that God's already won the victory and see, that's where I think there's just such an, there's such an importance to again, assert that, that the same God who, who in, in his own suffering and death proclaims powerfully from the cross, it is finished. Um, you know, that's the same God that we need to be proclaiming in the midst of these things too, because when I can't answer the why question, um, I can still answer the who question. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, God really didn't give Job the answer that he was with Job in the midst of his suffering. He asks, he, he wanted to have a a sit down with God and in, in his buddies kind of, they, they needed to be reminded who God was too. Um, because their, their view of God, um, what they, they saw him as this somewhat of a, as a, a petty karma, um, karma employing God where you must have really screwed up you're just getting what what uh what goes around comes around Job like you must have dropped the ball somewhere and um God reminds not only Job but but these his his lame friends who he is um (laughs) um but yeah I guess I I think I think that we yeah to what you were saying I think that there's there's some modesty in saying and obviously we we do we have any are, do we are we able to answer other than i don't know but i don't have to but and maybe there's and maybe some of this is semantics it's just it's a, i don't think it's a distinction without a difference when i ask who is god where is god and why is god um or why is god allowing this to happen um i think even implicitly there is perhaps i'm wrestling with who is my god mm-hmm. uh, is my god a god who um loves and um um, yeah, maybe I am wondering about Romans 8.28. I'm wondering how God could possibly be using this to advance my eternal good um, or to be working these things for my eternal good. Um, but this is where, again, I'll answer, I don't know. In humility, I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm not God. Um, God hasn't tipped his playbook to show me how this is going to lead to this, which will lead to this, which will lead to this. Uh, but I can say that God has already spoiled the ending to our story, or the ending of our story, where we are. Um, it is finished. He has won the victory, and we will be in heaven with Him. Those who cling to Christ in faith, uh, we hold the trophy um, and, and join in the victory celebration. Already now, uh, there's the, you know, the now and not yet. We always heard at the seminary. There's the, the now, uh, where we we have a reason to rejoice always but there's a not yet and that there's our eyes are uh focusing
1: heavenward. yeah <coughs> um, a way to kind of spin off what you've been what you've been talking about is um like the question lying at the at the center of that struggle to the the struggle to understand is, um, I guess to try to rephrase it, is simply asking, is God who he says he is? Right? Like he he he, he reveals himself in his word to be slow to anger, abounding in love, you know, in and faithfulness and that's the way that God chooses to define who he is and God, God is love, you know, in uh, first John there. And then, so then the struggle is to understand or to, or to, yeah, to try to comprehend if that's true, if God is who he says he is. And what about all these apparent discrepancies that I can observe here in the, you know, in the, in the day to day in the already, et cetera. And, and then what you what you finished talking about is that like to the question is God who he says he is and does he do the things he says he does, there is gonna be a day where you're gonna see that the answer to both is yes. <laughs> like uh I was I was thinking about uh Romans eight eight eighteen. You know, the the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us and in that section it's i mean Romans eight. if if a christian doesn't know what to read and but they want to read like a high powered uh, high octane (laughs) section of scripture with a lot of comfort and a lot of verses where it's just like one after the other you're like wow 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 romans chapter eight i think is a good place to to start but um yeah that already not yet that uh I've encountered a lot, like, we, we hear, heard that a lot at seminary, but that's big in, um, author and pastor Paul David Tripp's stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of like Romans 8. Like, the hope, the future, the, the wonderful joy of heaven is already purchased for you. It's just that you can't see it yet fully. You're not experiencing it yet, but you will. And so that gives you a bunch of hope. And power and joy to have in the right now, but then one day, I mean, there's reason to be excited because one day you're going to see that you're going to you're going to watch God bring to fulfillment everything He said He was going to do, and that day is going to come, whether or not you know it seems like He's stalling in His plans or you know He's not uh, He hasn't given up, and that's the that's I mean that's the struggle of faith, right? Is to to take God at His word and to simply trust.
0: Yep. Yep. It's, uh, and, and that's, and that's, a that's another thing too, is that, you know, as we have, you know, um, it's often been said that sanctification, you know, kind of our, our lives as a Christian, um, are, it is a messy process. Um, mm. <laughs> it is a messy process. Sanctification is messy. Um, and that, uh, you know, as, you know, our, our lives as Christians um, we have peaks and valleys. We have kind of the up high points and low points. And anyone doubt that to be true, just read the Psalms of David, where he will be yeah. on the highs of highs, and then he will be like, he will be in the lows of lows. Um, and um, you're right. Some of these things are, some of these questions are things that we're gonna we voice from um, when we're spiritually struggling. And then, that's the other thing too is that there's Certainly, there's a temptation for us to want to respond to such questions with maybe a logical, sound, reasoned response. But these are, these are emotional questions. Um, why is mm-hmm. this happening to me? People ask this because they themselves are the ones who are suffering or hurting. Um, and so, when emotionally people are wrestling with these things, this is where it 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 pays to have compassion and being loving. This is why I would argue Romans eight twenty eight might seem dismissive no different than a, a high school student going up to or a high school son going up to his dad and his dad saying oh whatever it you know chin up it'll all be all right in the end you're not going to get married to her anyway blah 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 but you know in the moment i'm not what i really needed is i what i really wanted was somebody to say you know you know that really um and to 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 to, to be there and to, to know to care and to understand but the thing is, is that even greater than that, we have a God who not only knows and, and, and cares, but he can make it better. Um, and he has, and he will. Um, and I, you, you, you said this before, too. I think there's certainly certainly, some of what is implicit in Romans 8.28 is what you touched on, too, that, uh, from Romans 8 as well. How, um, you know, from the, you know, the scope of basically eternal joy and bliss in the presence of God... You know our present sufferings—they're like a breath, um, a blink in the blink of an eye compared to eternal awesomeness and joy of heaven, the happiness and peace that we will experience forever. Um, where you know mm-hmm. the Bible tells us that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes; there will be no more, no more death, no more suffering, no more crying, mourning, or pain. Um, the old order of things has passed away. I mean, that's. Um, we we have that to look forward to but um, you know I another thing is is to preach um, I and this is where I've I've always found John 11:35 Jesus wept to be just such a, a comforting verse um, not simply because it is a God who not because of um, he he wept you know Jesus wept in solidarity with us but because this is the same God who is not dispassionate or removed or dismissive of us in our hurt but he invites us to come to him in prayer even if we pray the somewhat angsty words of, of the psalms right you know where it's just kind of you know god why have you blah 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 you know uh, god where are you god where are this 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 you know god says pray, pray these things i mean th- these are really glorified songs of why god <laughs> mm-hmm. why why this why that and so maybe to nt wright's points uh his point is sing these songs These are great songs to sing. In fact, we know that we can sing them to God because God ensured that they not only would be divinely inspired, but that they would be recorded in Scripture for us to read and sing today. Um, But as I sing these songs, I can still, you know, whether it be as we march towards Good Friday or I look back um, um, to, you know, 33 AD where um, there my God and Savior dies for me on a cross um this this the problem of theodicy that is is how do we deal with a good powerful gracious god in in a world full of present uh suffer you know pain suffering um we can ask you know when we're faced with these circumstances we can certainly ask why there's nothing wrong with asking why god um you know you think of cases like Mary and Martha where they kind of seem to express a disappointment with Jesus when he arrives at the tomb Jesus had you been here Sooner, my brother would not have died. Where were you? Like they they're, they you know, I, I can't help but detect a, a tenor of disappointment there. even with Martha's confession, implicit confession of faith, you can't help but sense that there was maybe a disappointment that if only had Jesus had gotten here sooner. Um, but we don't want to let this theodicy rob um, us of the comforting joy. Uh, and the truth of who our God is you know what I'm saying like um
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I don't want to have to throw my god back on the cross he doesn't need to hop back on the cross my god doesn't need to be a victim to sin suffering and death all over again um, for him to not only be worthy of my praise honor and respect and trust um, nor for me to know that he cares about <laughs> that he truly loves and cares for me um, this is why you brought up the Hebrews passage, um, that he suffered and died once and for all. That passage is so powerfully. Uh, so I think, I think we, we understate, uh, the importance and the power of that passage. Maybe we don't proclaim that as often as we could in circumstances like these. We're quicker to cite Hebrew or we're quicker to say, rattle off Romans eight twenty eight than we are, um, what is it? Hebrews 7 or Hebrews 9, where he suffered and died. Or he, you know, the great, our great high priest um, offered himself as a, as a sacrifice once and for all, Um, not -hmm. for his own sins, but for ours. Um, It just, you know, our, our present sufferings lie in the infinite shadow of it is finished. Which is, I'm glad that you, you, you kicked off, you know, we kind of kicked off this podcast you kind of reference that the the power of it is finished right now. I, I I'm with you though. I mean, there's a there's a time and a place for Romans 8:28. I just I as a pastor don't want to come across as the high school dad who just dismisses the um, the hurt and the heartache that people are are in the midst of. I'd rather point with uh, again keep on pointing to my God on the cross, our God on the cross, who loves us so much. That he would, not loved us, past tense, but loves us, present tense, uh, so much he would die for us. I don't know if you got some stuff that you want to add to that. I, again, I monologued again. But, uh, but no, it's, you're, the, yeah, Romans is, it's, and, and, and again, I hope nobody gets the impression that we got some axe to grind with Romans 8.28. It is a beautiful passage, and certainly God is, that is, that will remain eternally true. That God is a God who works all things for the good of His people. Um, uh, Point, you know, pointing, just underscoring the importance of pointing people to Jesus and showing them how our God, um, for our, you know, so that so that heaven would be ours, that we would be able to wear a crown of glory forever. Our God wears a crown. He wore a crown of of thorns um, to to liberate us from sin, suffering, and death, to free us and save us. Our God he himself took on. He made he became a curse for us. Uh he suffered and died. I don't know. What what else you got on that?
1: Really nothing. I got nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> you said it well.
0: Yeah, I I guess uh maybe maybe last thought here. Um if if somebody was listening right now and they maybe they lost they just lost their job. Um they, or maybe they have a loved one who is sick, um, they, or maybe a, a church member or somebody, or just, just a friend that you have, uh, they've been, they've been diagnosed with this virus and now they're, they're holed up in, uh, quarantine and, or, or the, this, this loved one, uh, they're, they're at a hospital being treated and this loved one, this, the friend or family member, they can't do anything. They're kind of feeling helpless on the sidelines. Or, um, if they themselves have, have, contracted this disease, they have COVID-19, Um, this virus. um, What uh, words of encouragement would you have for him?
1: Well, uh, one of my favorite passages to share with people who are going through any sort of hard time uh, as a pastor, I I use this with um, at at the side of a hospital bed or you know, those kind of, of situations. But I always like to go to Second Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal and there's a lot to unpack in those verses i mean it doesn't it doesn't just come out and say it so there's a lot there's a conversation that needs to take place but what, the reason that i love those verses so much is it strikes at the dichotomy between the visible and the invisible right. and and in a moment when someone gets a diagnosis when they get that call from their boss that that they can't financially support them anymore or everything. All the visible signs are screaming, I'm lost. This is terrible. Right. And, you know, it, it feels like hell on earth, right? So the answer, the remedy to that, I guess, is take take their eyes and point them toward the glory that is revealed in Christ. <clears throat> As we've been saying throughout this, you know, conversation, that the already uh, the already achieved perfect life innocent death of Christ that guarantees that this life suffering as it is evil as it is wicked as it is is not your final destination right so in that you know you're zooming out trying to get them to zoom out from the from the immediate picture to the to the bigger picture. Right. Yes, this present circumstance is bad and I'm with you on that and I understand that and you know if you want to if you want to cry you can cry if you want to you know lament you can lament. But then eventually let's talk about the bigger picture. Right. How your your sin, your evil, your wickedness has been forgiven by Christ on the cross, therefore you know that's your final destination through faith in Jesus is something so much greater.
0: Yeah, I, you know what, and that's, that well, well said. It is, it is, is focusing, you know, we, we use the word, or we, we use the expression deus absconditus, deus revelatus. This is, this is, you know, when I, when I don't know what, what God's got going on right now in my life, um, it's, it's affirming what we do know. Um, when I, when I'm not so sure about, you know, I, there's so much uncertainty in my present earthly circumstances, um, what I can focus on and what Paul and what God through the apostle Paul is, is drawing our eyes to is that what is in Christ, absolutely certain made certain by his holy, precious blood shed for us on the cross, um, fixing our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is internal. Obviously right there is is uh, um uh yeah, it I, 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 I probably can't add to anything anything uh what beyond what you said. You know, when, when we ask the, when we you know, we can we can answer the question, you know, when somebody says, Well, why is this going on? I could say, Well, I don't know. Um, but I can't affirm that which I do know. I can affirm who my God is, uh, what my God has done for me and where in christ um where we where we will be forever and uh and what will that be like i mean even that we can't answer all that stuff either i mean i mean you know um you're constantly people ask you know will will there be a, um you know will there be a, i had somebody ask me the other day will there be teriyaki chicken in heaven and because we were, we were having, we are, well, this is not the other day. This is some time ago, but he's asking me, we were commenting on how good teriyaki chicken is. And he says, I really hope teriyaki chickies, chicken's in heaven. And will there be teriyaki chicken in heaven, pastor? Um, and I said, you know what? I, I can't answer that, but whatever will be in heaven, it will not, it, um, I will not miss anything. Um, right. <laughs> if for whatever reason, teriyaki chicken would not be in heaven. Um, I will not I will not uh, look at the the buffets of heaven and think, you know what? I need to put a word in in God's ear that's he, he he's uh, lacking a little bit here. No, nope, I will not miss anything. <laughs> it's gonna be i um, the joy the joy that uh, that teriyaki chicken or 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 whatever it gives me here, I mean that is that that's just incomparably dwarfed by the joy that is uh, standing in, in perfect. Uh, or rejo- standing in the presence of our God and our savior in perfect communion and harmony with him forever, uh, rejoicing with all those who have died in the faith, um, family members who died in the Lord, our friends and families, uh, family members who, um, who are Christian, we get to rejoice with them forever, singing songs of worship and praise. Uh, it, it, um, and those things are of significant solace in these uncertain circumstances. It's, it is reminding people of the certainty of who our God is and again, you know, this is where we, we point our eyes, we direct our eyes to Jesus, um, the author and, and perfecter of our faith. I know that um, some some translations don't phrase it that way. We grew up with author and perfecter of the faith. Um, uh, you know, um, who for the joy said before, you know, it, 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 and yep, uh, endured the, the cross, scorning its shame. Uh, so we're, we're very much... <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, we're mining the same vein right now when it comes to scriptural passages that speak to this. It's um, pointing to Jesus and saying, here is my God. Um, the tangible assurance of who my God is. Uh, uh, all the fullness of the deity dwelling in bodily, bodily form. Um, he is the image of the invisible God. If I want to know who my God is, I point to Jesus, I look to him. And there I see my God not only rubbing shoulders with sinful people, the God who who kneels over to restore and forgive um, uh, a woman caught in adultery, um, the same God who in light of that gives her the gospel imperative to go and sin no more, uh, the God who restores the sight of the blind, who um, the, same, the same God who uh, weeps at the funeral of a loved one, who weeps over Jerusalem, the same God who makes time for little children, um, who puts, you know, who picks up children in his arms, he, he blesses them and says, let the ch- little children come to me. This is the same God who made time for Gentiles, for non-Jews, who hung out with fishermen. <laughs> uh, the same God, and obviously the, the same God who loved us all so much to demonstrate that and to not only prove that, but to um, to save us because of his love, he would die for us. Um, and I can say I know that to be true. Obviously, it, a lot of what you're talking about here is just is is going back to the to the promises that our God has penned us in the love letter that is His Word, and and remind ourselves and others of that too. Um, that here is my God, the God who um, who died for me. And Rose. Um, so that I would know that um that I will not die but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Got any final words there?
1: Just that you really had to start talking about teriyaki chicken when I am getting pretty hungry.
0: Yeah, and maybe <laughs> I know, and maybe the fact that I, I ran with teriyaki chicken as long as I did, um uh by no means am I trying to compare the, the joys of heaven to teriyaki chicken, although I do gotta say teriyaki chicken is really good. Um but uh maybe the reason I'm riffing on it is because I'm getting hungry myself. But uh anyway, um well uh, I suppose it's a really good it's a really good note to end on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but God's grace and teriyaki chicken. Yeah
0: Yeah. Um no, and, and and certainly it is uh, both. Um, I you know not to speak for you, Mike, but it'd probably be my you know my prayer and encouragement for anybody who's um, who's who's listening in on this. You know when I when I ask questions of, um, you know when I ask you know that question, where is God? Or if I even ask the question, why is God doing this? A great, a great thing, a great response, or a great thing to be reminded of is who our God is. Um, and how our God has demonstrated who He is, namely um, that He would take on skin and bone to live a perfect life in our place, and die, uh, die the death that we deserved, and He would take all the brokenness of this world, our sin, shame, our sin, shame, and regret, uh, mistakes onto Himself uh, to make us at one, at right with Him, um, and win for us uh, um, an identity and, and as His child in a place at his side in heaven um and i and i i certainly pray that that is an encouragement that people um, find solace and comfort in during this time mike you got anything else man
1: yeah well ditto to what you said and um just the spin-off i guess uh like the scripture says be strong and and take heart and wait for the lord so whoever is going through tough times right now know that the that the already not yet is true true for you in Jesus Christ, that, that the glory and the hope that he has won is, is true for you right now, but one day you're going to see the, the extent to which God is exactly who he says he is, and he does exactly what he says he does as a God of love, not just of power, not just of wisdom, but all those things, and love, and forgiveness, and grace. So be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord.
0: And that is a really great note to end our podcast on. Um, Everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in today. I hope and pray that you were encouraged by this. Be sure to um, share this with people who might be uh, experiencing some hardship right now. Um, I know that COVID-19 has has really rattled uh, the lives of uh, of everybody. Um, Share this content and uh, share the joy that we have eternally in Jesus. Um, That's it for the Man of Podcast. And uh, Mike, thanks for hanging out, man. It was great having you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Everybody, we'll
0: see you again next week.